0: This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store.
1: Live from a two-dimensional wooden sailing ship being attacked by a giant serpent, it's Doctor Who Podshock.
0: Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Parachute, Episode Three Hundred and Thirty-One. This is Lewis Trapani, and joining us on this episode, or joining me on this episode, or, or the Royal Us, or the Royal We, if you like. So, uh, but joining me on this episode um, once again across the great pond that we call the Atlantic Ocean is Mister Dave A. C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Oh, I'm number one on the
2: ship. Thank you, Captain. <laughs>
0: I, be here, number one. So you're William Riker, or, um, or, um, um oh, I just lost her name. Major Barrett. Major Barrett. Yes, Major Barrett <laughs> Barrett. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, William. I, I, I was visualizing, visualizing her face right in front of me, and the name just just escaped me. It's saying. it's a terrible thing. Short-term memory's the first to go. Or <laughs> well, in this case, long-term memory. This is go this is how many years now? 50 years um since she was number one? Since the cage, yeah. <laughs> That's right. So um so yeah, so wel- welcome Dave. Good to be here. Good to have you. Also joining us on uh, back on this side of the ocean. We have two respective people joining me on this side of the ocean and um first one up is Mr. Lee Shackelford. Hello Lee. Heidi Ho. Heidi Ho, Heidi Ho, Hody ho Ho Ha Hi. Something like I don't know. I'm just yeah. making this up as I go along. We turned into Cab Callow here for a second. Heidi Ho Yes. And um and his fellow Blues brother, Kyle Jones.
3: Hello, hello. I just barely made it. I was under the lake, and then I barely got here before the flood. So I'm here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think for Lee and I, th- these episode titles are well, especially "Before the Flood" is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna bring back yeah. some uh, painful it memories. Such as a nerve. Yeah, it? <laughs> but we'll we'll get to that in our review. And if you haven't guessed it yet, we are reviewing episode the. Uh, Episodes 3 and 4 of the 2015 series, which is um, Under the Lake and then um, Before the Flood, respectively, a two-parter, and um, so we'll get to that in a moment, but first, as always, before we do any reviews, I'll have to ask, is there any, and wait for it, news to report. I think there may be.
3: I think there may be, too.
0: There might be. Okay, so, so that was the news. And let's <laughs> <that's> go. <good. laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I some... Um, well, it, it does it, it This isn't a live show, so it... Um, I mean, it stands to reason that um, by now you probably figured out, if you're listening to this, it's not a live show, so... Um, that we, because of my schedule, it's hard to schedule the live shows. So the live shows may be haphazardly, um, scheduled for this series of live review. Well, it's not going to be for this series of Dr. Who. Um, when we can do a live show, we'll do it. Otherwise we'll do studio shows. Otherwise we won't get them out, um, at all. So that's why we're doing a live show. In fact, the, I mean, that's why we're doing a studio show right now. And the last live show that was recorded, is actually still in, in post-production as we record this, but by the time you listen to this, it would have been already out, so that doesn't really, it, it has no real effect to you because you're listening to this now, It's in, you I'm assuming you already listened to the live show, even though none, no one else as we record this has. Yeah. Wibbly, wobbly. <laughs> Wibbly, wobbly, tiny, yes. So, and if Beethoven didn't exist, <laughs> he does now. <laughs> That's right. Somehow, somehow that it goes into the theme of this uh, episode that we're going to be reviewing. But but let's before we get into the episode, let's get back to the news. (laughs) So, um, what if any news is there uh, uh, pertaining to Doctor Who? I know um, last time we had done the live show, we reported that um, on um, BBC America they were showing um, they were doing Breakfast with Baker, something like that. Uh, I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I get it, but I don't get. <laughs> it's not like I I get the concept, but I don't get the channel. So I'm not. If forgive me if I'm getting the the, the name wrong, but I I believe they they were showing Tom Baker episodes on um. Yeah, they Saturday were, and
3: they they did it for several weeks. Let me check. Yeah, I think they're not. I
0: I think they don't are, think they are either. Yeah, so I think that that's is somewhat news there that they unfortunately they stopped doing that.
2: OK, well, let's get a uh, couple of sad items out of the way first. Um, uh, from a news item on Sunday, 11th of October, uh, Derek Ware, uh, actor and stunt arranger, uh, died at the age of 77, born in 1938. Um, he appeared in the very first story, An Unearthly Child, where he doubled for actor Jeremy Young in a fight scene. Um, he was... Um, it's a series arranging uh, a fight between uh, Marco and Tegana. Is it in Marco Polo, uh, and between Ian and I-tax, uh, Ixta in the Aztecs? That was a, a rather brilliant fight scene, by the way. Um, so uh, he did an excellent job in chore- uh, choreographing that because it, it, it portrayed Ian as the uh, the real action man to the the more infirm portrayal. William Hartnell was doing in The Doctor. Of course, William Hartnell, as we know now, was only in his mid-50s, and obviously he was playing a 700-year-old doctor, but he was playing him looking like what we would consider a 70-year-old man, I suppose, mid-70s. So um, Ian was there to be the sort of, the virile uh, leading man, and therefore it was important that that fight scene looked authentic, uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that. And then he was in... uh, uh, various degrees in The Chase, Myth Makers, Dalek's Master Plan, uh, and he played a Spaniard in The Smugglers. And again, he arranged the fights uh, in the Patrick Trouton story, The Underwater Menace. And I think there was some Underwater Menace news at some point, but I don't know whether... uh, Perhaps if I get the other sad news out, and that is um, from Monday the 19th of October... Uh, Neville John, uh, Jason, born in 1934, uh, died at the age of 81. He appeared in the uh, 1978 story, The Androids of Tara, where he played Prince Reynard in the Key to Time story, based upon The Prisoner of Zender and directed by Michael Hayes. He appeared in many TV dramas, including Emergency Ward 10, May Gray Barlow, uh, The Little Ship, Armchair Thriller, Uh, Goodbye, darling, and Scorpio. So, again, and two more sad passings of people connected with Doctor Who.
0: Yeah, it's always said when we lose, um, you know, um, those that have contributed to the show, and um, you know, and as we go along, we, it's you know, it's just the never growing list. You know, there's that. We, the, the list goes on.
3: But Going back to what we were um, saying just a minute ago mm-hmm. about, about BBC America, I just looked and Sunday uh, they are playing season 18, episode 21, which began a, another uh, Tom Baker story, which is The Keeper of Tracking.
0: Oh, trakin, okay, so, the, so they are so resuming still doing it. The, the, the breakfast with Break Baker as it is. Okay. Yes, sir. that's great. Yeah, and uh, and uh, as far as William Hartnell's Doctor goes, um, I'm not sure if we do know how old that incarnation was. Um, you know, I, I think I know. Uh, by the time we got oh. to the fourth Doctor, he had mentioned his age was like 750 midlife or something like that. He was he was saying, but
3: well, and, and we also know that. Troughton had a 500-year diary. We, yeah. Now, of course, we don't know how old he was, but whenever he regenerated, they showed him with a 500-year yes, diary. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: right. It, it might be an assumption on my part. I always assumed he was playing a man in his 70s, but really 700. But
0: oh, um, he could uh, may, very well of... be. I'm, I'm just saying that I don't think it was ever clarified. You know, you, uh, you know, we, but we we can. You know, that's the great thing about uh, Dr Who is that you know we can speculate.
2: What do I know, Lewis? I was only there watching it live. <laughs> yes, you are.
0: <laughs> well, ex Clara. Clara was there and she can Clara and she could clarify it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's where the word comes from. <laughs> Indeed. What <Wobbly>, was <wobbly. laughs> All right. Um any other Doctor Who related news? I know there, there's um, there's always news coming out on the forefront of the on the on the Lego lands of there's, um When I I don't mean Legoland, the, the theme park, but I'm talking about the Lego. You know those that follow Lego. There's um, they're, they're coming out with some Lego play sets for, for Doctor Who, I believe, and there's the video game that's um, Dimensions yeah. or something like that.
3: Lego Dimensions, yes. Yeah.
0: There's
2: this an awful lot there's also um more information about these con- controversial missing episodes um on the sunday eleventh this is on dot two news dot net um there was this concern that uh, we still have not got the first appearance of uh, well the Brigadier... i call him the brigadier but you know what i mean leopard Stewart... um and that episode of the web of fear was actually found, but then went missing. And the uh, uh, the Philip Morris um, uh, has has posted a picture there showing evidentially, evidentially that all those episodes were found, and subsequently, uh, one critical episode uh, seemed to go missing. Uh, maybe, potentially, possibly, allegedly, in the hands of a private um collector at the moment and um, so there's still an ongoing although it's quieted down an awful lot there's still you know things bubbling under the surface about that so
0: yeah so um, that's that's very bizarre so you're saying it was actually found and then lost again yes like, um, like stolen or something i mean if they found yeah. it well
2: Well, well, when he goes to these places, he's allowed in on the basis that they catalogue and photograph, but they don't touch anything. But I think they were taken somewhere for safekeeping. uh, And in the intervening time when he came back uh, and was handed them over, after some paperwork, I assume, one of the cans went missing. And unfortunately, it happened to be that episode where a lot of people focused their interests on um with left beach stewart making his first appearance because when you watch that story and of course we've talked about this on on podshot the uh, yeah. uh when we did those Review. two back to back stories sure. and um it's a He's a bit ambivalent towards the doctor. There's a little bit of creepiness mm-hmm. in the portrayal, which you don't really get the sense of through just listening to the audio and the screen caps so it's a very critical episode and may yet still come available um so it just stirs the pot a little bit um uh and alongside that information also was as well the uh the fact that the commentaries were to be released for The Enemy in the World and the Web of Fear. The great thing about those two stories is being um, the two following on that makes it a, a lovely um, sequence of stories to watch. But um there's information there about, uh, on the eve of the second anniversary of their uh, publicised recovery, Phantom Films have announced a special project to provide commentaries for The Enemy of the World and the Web of Fear uh, the two returns season five story starring Patrick Troughton that were released uh, vanilla on DVD and via iTunes. As you remember, there was a uh, a clamour for them, so they seemed to get basically put out without very much fanfare or extras, just to get them into the hands of the fans.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, if someone's holding it, I mean, it's be a terrible waste just to keep it to themselves. Correct.
1: So correct, a correct, complete correct. version of web of fear still has not been released yeti yeti oh.
3: <laughs> yes that's yeah, that's well, totally a well <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll we' we'll we'll, 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 we'll scotch that those rumors for now <laughs> all right enough of the celestial pun maker <laughs> Any other um, um, newsy? Before?
2: Well, there was another. We've talked about it before. Um, the uh, I think it was you that mentioned it. Maybe, uh, perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah, the, the downtown time. Uh, the real time pictures announced the DVD release of the spin off adventure mm-hmm. Downtime. Uh, the direct video production originally released in 1995, mm-hmm. and uh, I mentioned this because we're back to the Brigadier, Left Stewart again, mm-hmm. uh, by Nicholas Courtney. Uh, but there's some sort of dispute that's holding that up, and I suggest that we just point our listeners to DoctorWhoNews.net, and this story in in more detail was posted on the
0: uh, Wednesday, the 21st of October. It, Ooh, is that the that's story today. that is that the story that first introduces his daughter? And I know there was like a there was a st- like a there was a story that was one of these like um I can't Well, remember.
2: it's not really official Dr. Yeah, no, it, it as was as one as of as these I'm unofficial
0: sorry. like spin-off stories that, that first introduced um Lethbridge Stewart's uh daughter, which um I'm just trying to it might have been that or might Kate. It, it, yeah.
2: It, it, yeah it is. The video was uh, notable for introducing the character of uh, Brigadier daughter, Kate Lethbridge Stewart, yes. now a firm favourite. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, I, I did see it um, a while ago, yeah. All right. And that's as all. we
1: record this, it is Back to the Future Day. So, yes, it is. Um,
0: so now, after this week, everything in Back to the Future will be taking place in the past.
1: Actually happened in the past, yeah. yeah but true. so social media has been alive with um, Back to the Future and Doctor Who crossovers, which I, yes. I've been enjoying today. Yeah,
0: yeah. So... That, um, that, um, Time travel stories, all iconic image of them. the DeLorean crashing into the TARDIS. It's been uh, that was I, I've fun. seen that a few times. Right.
1: And a uh, Lego Dimensions related thing, I guess was that came from from Lego, um, showing um Doc Brown exulting outside the TARDIS. I, I don't quite. <laughs> I guess you'd have to play the game to sort of get what the way, if that's a screen mm-hmm. grab of something. But but uh, I reposted that image and just commented. Uh, roads where we're going we don't need roads
0: there's <laughs> uh, time for right. taxes. <laughs> yes
2: um if we're, we're if we're just finishing off news with sort of non-doctor who news but related in some way uh just to mention that the first picture today has been released of jenna coleman playing queen victoria this is um an upcoming ITV drama. Oh, series I, gonna, where I thought it was from was, a, an
0: historical went, episode.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, now, uh, she's uh, going to be playing uh, the young queen, Victoria, and it's an absolutely uh, uh, brilliant f- photograph of her in obviously uh, costume of the time, and uh, it looks as though it's going to be uh, an eight-part drama. Um and I think that will probably not hit our screens until 2016. But the series will open with a 90-minute episode followed by seven one-hour episodes.
0: hmm
3: And it wouldn't hurt to mention that we had the official Star Wars uh, trailer released the other night and kind of broke the internet, so to speak.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or
3: at least Fandango so- and other sites. Hmm. What's Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> That's that spinoff from Star Trek.
4: Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I wish I I know everyone's been really um, excited about it, and I um and I I'm I've always been a big huge Star Wars fan, and uh, it just, but I I will say that um it is being released on um on December. Well, it's actually being it's 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 December eighteenth, but since it's a it, you know it's like an international midnight showing, so um the so that now theaters are showing it as early as seven p.m. at least on the Eastern time zone here on the seventeenth and of December, which um, coincidentally happens to be um, the anniversary of my arrival on this planet, or I should say my birthday. So. Um. Um. I broke down, and I actually. I don't tell anyone. I bought. I bought tickets. <laughs> I bought tickets for it. So um, first time um seeing Star Wars on uh, on an opening Star Wars um movie on my birthday, which is going to be very weird because the real Star Wars films have always opened up in May, and this I say real well, because right. this is yeah. As as I mean, yeah, this the, is now original, after Disney correct. has. What film And there you are Somewhat artificially c- Continuing the story That George Lucas Concluded with Return of the Jedi So um, But I'm not going to get into The nitty gritty of Conical stuff Whatever But It's a different podcast Yes Different podcast There you go But um, So yeah So that's that's um, And I'm a little apprehensive With J.J. Abrams At the helm After Star Trek So that's um, That's where My apprehension comes in Ooh, that's a different podcast, too. That's a different podcast as well. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what? All of that happened. <laughs> but
0: I want to be Literally. on all of it. <laughs> yes, okay. Side. Well, I think that's a, that's a date. <laughs> all right. So, um, but getting back to um, time and relative dimensions in space, a.k.a. Doctor Who, uh, I guess uh, we can jump into our review, which, as I said before, we are reviewing episodes, respectively, um, episodes three and four of the new series of 2015. That's under the lake, <laughs> and that's the name of the title, and um, and then before the flood, which is the conclusion of it. So, but I have to say that I'm really enjoying the. The two parters, you know, that were that we've been privy to so far, and and it continues in the next two as well, because it's you know it's it's a bit of old school Doctor Who. You know, I, I always thought one of the features, one of the assets of Doctor Who was the that um, it told stories over. It was it was serialized, you know, where uh, you had cliffhangers and, it, you know, it, it gave you something to look forward to the next episode. And I, that's, that was an element of Doctor Who that I always enjoyed, which somewhat got lost when, you know, when it came back, you know, 10 years ago. Um, I mean, we've had some continuing stories and archers and all that, but it's... Um, it's Nothing good like to, this. Yeah, it's good to have 2 parties, a series of 2 parties and to my understanding... This whole series, with an exception of, I think, two episodes that are independent, um, are mostly two-parters.
2: Well, I hope you're right. I hope I'm not going to have a contention with that because um, if they were written as two-parters, I think it makes a change to to have it set up like this. As we all know, there are 12 episodes, so it lends itself quite nicely being split into Mm -hmm. six stories. And we probably know that there are budget constraints uh, that help um certainly in some cases uh where there's a shared um you know uh, building yeah. of sets mm-hmm. and yeah. costumes and yeah. so on um but uh i won 't talk about it much now, but going on to the following two stories i uh, i've got a feeling that um, they're they're more paired stories than yeah. two parts
0: yeah i and I, can, I agree I, I can appreciate yeah. that yeah. Mm-hmm. But this was a,
1: a, a base under siege story. Uh, yes. Familiar to all of us yes. fans of the classic series. So yes. having it as a, if it's, even though there's only two parts in the serial, that, that still felt very, uh, very John Pertwee, very Tom Baker. It,
0: so. it did indeed. And um, and I thought the location shooting for um, for episode two of the two-parter, and um, before the flood I'm speaking of, that uh, when they go into, well, let's, before we start the review. um yeah. <laughs> I, as always. Oh, yeah, we have to
1: close your mouth. Sorry, yes. Spoilers. <laughs> Again. Spoilers.
3: Spoilers. Spoilers. So,
0: Spoilers. So, yeah, so Spoilers. um, if you haven't Spoilers. seen this, these two episodes. Spoilers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then why in God's name are you listening to this? Yes.
0: So if you haven't seen these two, you may want to hold off, listen to the rest of this podcast until you have. And then uh, you can enjoy it without the fear of spoilers, because anything we spoilers. say after this point could be a spoiler. So, um, spoilers. yes. So keep that in mind. And um, so um, before going forward with the with the story itself, reviewing the story, let's just say it was. um written by Toby Whithouse who is no stranger to Doctor Who He's has uh, written for it before and it's directed by uh, Daniel uh, O'Hara and um, and of course it stars uh, O'Hara I think O'Hara? I uh, Yeah I'm not sure Is that a, uh, so it's uh, No it's O'Hara, it
3: looks, yeah. well, O'Hara O'Hara
2: Yeah
0: okay uh Peter Capaldi's the 12th doctor well your numbers may vary Peter Capaldi's the doctor <laughs> Jenna Coleman playing Clara Oswald and um the, the guest cast we have a, a nice ensemble cast here with um Colin McFarlane uh, playing um Moran Sophie Stone as Cass Z- um Zaki Ismail Asmo- a small as as small as- 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 Ismail is I I I'm sorry for <laughs> for not doing justice to these names playing lunn and um morvine christie as O'Donnell, uh arsher arsher alley as bennett Stephen robertson as uh perch uh, uh perch <laughs> and paul k as prentice
2: All right. Yep, Yep. on originally on the 3rd of october 2015 and um, ended up, I think, with an AI rating of uh, 83. Uh, but the viewing figures, some people were a little bit concerned because uh, the original viewing figures were only 4.38 million. But we, they are, there has been a lot of sport that's been uh, overriding big uh, live events that have perhaps taken away from the live audience. I think the final uh, consolidated viewing figures for um this in actual fact um it was it was 3.7 sorry originally and it's now up to 5.83 with an ai rating of 84 and 83
0: very good yeah so as far as like the ratings go i know there's been a lot of talk and about the ratings but i think um you know you know, with today, you know, and you're saying that you know there's a lot of live sporting events going on, and, and as we mentioned in our last show, that I think sometimes people will watch the live show, so they're not, you know, if it's a sporting thing with scores and all that, so that they're they're not going to be, you know, if, they, if they're given a choice between time shifting, they're going to time shift a story or something like that, or an episode of maybe Doctor Who or something else, and then watch the sporting event live, so that they're because um, if they find out who wins, you know. Afterwards, if they had done it vice versa, it would be detrimental. So,
2: And I think because, it's even more deep seated than, sorry to interrupt me, no, no, uh, more deep seated than that, that these people would have recorded it even if they were going to watch it live anyway. So yeah. uh, if they've only got the ability to record one and watch another uh, consecutively and not perhaps record two, then it makes sense to do the recording. Watch the live and then go back. Where in normal circumstances, if there wasn't a conflict, they would probably be both watching and recording.
3: And see, across the pond, uh, it, the BBC reports that c- the first episode of the season broke uh, records as um, one of the highest debuts for the entire channel ever. So. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, of course, they were, were messing around with the start times as well. We we had one starting at 8.25, 8.20, different times, because of the uh, the new series of uh, you know, uh, what you would call Dancing with the Stars, Strictly Come Dancing, mm-hmm. um, which is running about two hours with a, a lot of contestants on, makes it a little bit late again. So there'll also have been... With the fear factor rating of some of these, there'll also be some parents who probably wanted to record it, watch it before they're feeling that their their younger child. And I'm talking about here children under ten, maybe under eight, w- whether it's suitable viewing for them. And uh, this certainly was one of those episodes where you would think that many parents may have had that concern.
0: Yeah, that's true so as lee had mentioned before this is uh, one of those classic um, base under siege stories it's and it's uh, it takes place in a underwater base and um it's it did very much have that you know that classic feel of um you know of of yesterday of doctor who with base you know um it had um i i i when i was watching you know the first one um which is uh, under the lake no yeah under the lake you know, I, I I saw like hints of Alien, and, and I think Kyle before we started recording had mentioned that um, the kitchen there looked like um, the the kitchen it, it looked like the kitchen from Voyager. From Voyager. So Neelix's mm-hmm. um, kitchen. Neelix. Yeah. Neelix's kitchen. So I, I didn't really catch that myself, but now when I watch it again, I'll I'm gonna keep an eye out for that. So I mean, I have to I, I'll admit that watching under like the first time you know maybe because of those elements it just seemed like it seemed like we've seen all this before and it I you know I, again I'm gonna review this as a whole you know as two episodes you know as a whole story but if I was to single out that episode you know watching it the first time just that you know before we got to see the conclusion um, I would say that I was a little disappointed with it only because it. Up into the up until that first episode, it, uh, there wasn't anything that we hadn't seen already before on Doctor Who. I mean, th- there was um, Cold War, w- which was in a submarine, sort of underwater. It was a, sort of another base under siege type of story. Um, you know, so that w- we've seen ghosts before, or or or, or, or el- what appear to be ghosts on Doctor Who. Um, so there was just el- those little elements alone. It just seemed like we've seen that before. But then as the story concludes. And um, we see other elements that are more original and more um, engrossing into the story, I thought.
2: Yeah, well, um, a number of things. I mean, the the episode that came to my mind, uh, well... It didn't compare that favourably on first viewing to me uh, with something like Midnight, where the fear factor on that seemed uh, far more escalated and far more uh, uh, claustrophobic and intense. I think uh, as I was watching this the part one um i, w- I had for almost forgotten that it was part one of a two parter, so this seemed to be uh, quite a little bit of repetition uh down the corridors and um, I did think that some of those corridors looked very similar to the ones that were used in the uh, uh, the doctor 's wife episode, but um talking about the base under siege element uh, it reminded me quite a little bit of um, uh, Forty-two. That's the one with mm-hmm. you know, burn with yeah. me, mm-hmm. and um, especially towards the end of this episode, first episode, where um, they, they're fighting to get to the TARDIS through these bulkheads, which we we'll remember in in um, in Doctor 2 was a, a major part of that, where where Martha's trying to get through all these uh, deadlocked twelve doors from one end to the other, uh, where the TARDIS was. Um, Located and um, so 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 it reminded me yeah. a lot about I, that. I, I but saw those I did elements
0: th- as well. Yes, mm, I, I did think
2: um, the the early scenes of the ghosts uh, were excellent. Um, slightly disappointed to see the captain dispatch so quickly because he seemed uh, a very good had a marvellous acting voice, mm-hmm. but um, uh, you know he's an old lag. Like, you know. Uh, surely the army wouldn't lose prime equipment like this you haven't been in the army long son have you (laughs) you know uh, know, even though you only had a little screen time unfortunately I think in the the trailer that they'd shown uh, you already knew that this captain wasn't set for very long as a mortal Uh, so that was a little bit uh, unfortunate but I I did think that um, the ensemble cast was good well, a little bit.
0: I, well, to that point, I, well, I, I do want to say that the, the the one original idea that I did like to see, that I did enjoy seeing in the first episode, and the like was seeing a character that was hearing impaired, and um, you know, a, a a fully fleshed character that was you know a main, you know, part of the a main character, not just a, a sideline character.
1: Great actress. Right. Yeah, which is the first for Doctor mm-hmm. Who, and. Um, pretty rare just about anywhere. Yeah.
3: And, um, Dave, I think there was some discussion on the Cultum Collective back and forth, so you you want to yeah, cue us the, in on that?
2: Well, the, the the pity that some people expressed, um, and Darth, who's been on Podshop 4, was one of the ones doing it. That It was a pity that this opportunity of having a disabled, a person with a disability and yet still playing a strong character Unfortunately, it was, and these are my words now, it was a little bit like Batman having the right tools for the job. Uh, When you needed somebody to be able to lip read, it it was slightly disappointing that the first time that was a requirement and a skill needed, you had somebody who had that required skill. That's true.
1: That is a a script convenience, you call that. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's, it's true. It would have almost been better for the diversity of acting Talent, Um, Mm -hmm. and we've had this before. I mean, um, if we go back to uh, the Cyberman story, where we had uh, Warwick Davis, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a a person of short stature, that really didn't matter to the script. Um, It it was good that he had that role, and that Mm -hmm. a stature didn't actually play a part in why he was chosen for it. Um, So, in some ways, it was a missed opportunity of having that. I mean. Are we going to have somebody in a wheelchair, and the wheelchair is going to be the important way of escaping because they just so happen to have a wheelchair? Right. I mean, that's the wrong way to yeah, do it, it uh, in some people's minds.
1: Mm-hmm. I love, how, though, however, how how strong that character is. Um, so, uh, I, I think it, the, the the casting still gets points for that. The mm-hmm. script still gets points yeah, for that. That she's here. she's in no way a burden to anyone. She she is a, a strong and essential member of that. That group, but yeah, she is
3: conveniently there to read lips too, which is a little. And see, I uh, I mentioned to Dave and Ian earlier. Uh, earlier, um, I didn't I didn't pick that up. I didn't when I was watching that. I did not feel that it was any inconvenience. I thought it was actually kind of cool, and in the sense of when I was watching it, I didn't pay attention to their lips. And I also mentioned I wear hearing aids and I read lips a lot, or to some degree. And even just being submerged, no pun intended, into the story, I didn't really pay that much attention. I just thought of what Lee was saying. She was just a very good character. Regardless of whether or not she was deaf or not, she was just a good character.
0: I would have thought maybe oh. the doctor could have, you know, would have been able to read lips as well, because d- d- didn't he make a reference too, yeah. to <laughs> reading eyebrows uh, when he was the third doctor? There was a no, race that, that uh, spoke with eyebrows.
2: No, he, he, yeah, but he, he said that he'd thrown it out of his brain because he needed to you know about semaphore. Okay.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, Kyle, in any case, you should totally own uh, saying that you were submerged in this story, though, because yeah.
3: that's, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry.
2: <laughs> but uh, the, the the thing about the ghosts I did like, I like the fact that they were um, creative, shall we say. We not only had them coming through walls, and the first time that happens is is rather scary, but then we have one coming up through the wall and we, we actually have one almost walking sideways and does seem to be affected by gravity. Um, and so there was some really good um, work on that level. Uh, and um I, I think in some ways though that um because this particular part of the story had to to last all the way i'm i'm not too sure well like i know why in some ways it the the two halves would have been better balanced i think if we'd made the transition to before the flood uh prior to the ending of this episode but of course the the thing that i think that as a two-parter was absolutely essential to this, was the fabulous cliffhanger of the Doctor being a ghost, submerged, upright, and just uh, slowly spinning round. Uh, The look on Clara's face in disbelief and that uh, standout moment uh, was was well-earned and had to be there, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But I think it meant for a slightly disproportionate two halves to the story.
0: Yeah, uh, though once Agreed. the Doctor said that, he once they got separated and the Doctor said he was going back in time, I I, just, I somehow, I pieced together what was going to happen, what what, what we're going to see next, and how it was going to end, you know, I mean, that, it, it's not the story's fault or the writing's fault, it just, it just, you know, I just happened to just piece it together, like, oh he, we're going to see, it's going to end with the Doctor as a ghost, and uh, sure enough, that's how it ended, so, but, um, uh, but speaking of ghosts, we always seem to have these stories, and I, I don't know. I'm sure it's probably just coincidental um, in October or around October, <laughs> just in time for Halloween. So I thought, that, you know, it was kind of fitting, you know, being the time that we're in here, at least um, in this part of the world where we celebrate Halloween, that we're, we have a ghost story. I think um, was it Mummy on the Train, or uh, I think coincided with that. Mummy <laughs> on the Train. <laughs> I'm <laughs> the audience, extra. That's the one.
2: <laughs> it was Sorry. a train. I, I thought that's what it was called, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and Hyde... Has,
1: and it has Samuel L. Oh. Jackson in
2: it, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> and Hyde, exactly. Hyde was one as well, where, where we had this creature that appeared to be a ghost on the stairs, and it was this one trapped in this um, bubble universe. Yes, Uh, yeah. So we have had that link before in some ways. Mm -hmm.
0: So, um, but I I know we had said that we're going to review this uh, um, as a whole, but I I, I do need to point out that episode two, which is, um, you know, titled Before the Flood, is uh, we should make a point saying that it it does start off the, the... um, the teaser before the credits has the doctor talking into the camera, speaking about time paradoxes and using Beethoven as an example, and uh, which then leads him into picking up the guitar and playing the guitar, which then leads into the opening credits with the guitar mixed into the opening credits um, theme of the episode. So um, that's something that that um, was special to this to that episode before the flood.
2: Yeah, what would you call that, Lee? This, um, the, I mean, apart from breaking the fourth wall, I mean, would you call that a prologue or, a, um, uh, uh, or, or an aside, or? Um, uh, yeah, so I'm not sure easy. if he was
0: talking to because if you watch, walls, yeah. if you watch the story, you know he, because when you're first watching it, you, you're trying to be wondering like, well, who is he speaking? I mean, obviously, he's speaking to the audience, us, but maybe within the story, he's speaking to. Um, um, O'Donnell and um, um, what was the other character's name that was with her? Because they, because they both left in the TARDIS together. you know. Um, True, that's right. So
1: ma- maybe... Yeah, all you'd need is a reverse shot of the yeah. two of them, and you'd know who they were talking, exactly. to, who he was talking to. Without it, he's breaking the fourth wall. Exactly. Well, yeah.
2: he does, he says, uh, um, he talks about the bootstrap um, paradox, and then he says, look it up. It's true. Google it, he says. Yeah. Google it, yeah. Google it. So, I mean, that that is definitely breaking the fourth wall because you know the doctor's uh, done that before to wish us Merry
1: Christmas. I was just going to
0: say uh, that um, it goes back to William Hartnell with, uh, and I think it was um, this um, the Feast of See- Feast of Stephen episode. I think, if I recall correctly, is when when he he did it. So uh, it's a, a little homage, maybe, to and him. I
1: guess. So, um, um, not even the sonic screwdriver can get me out of this one. I, th- I think that's
2: yeah.
0: That oh yes, yeah. that was an yeah. ad lib,
2: wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah.
2: Well, since you mentioned the second part, let's just mention that that also bro- well that broadcast on the tenth of October uh, this year, of course, um, and it was that one that had uh, four point three eight million on first viewing and consolidated. That's been six. 0.05 million and that had an ai rating just 1 point lower 83 and um, i think you've said before Lewis, haven't something that any um ai rating of 80 and above is classed as um good to excellent so um, anything in the lower 8s is 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 fine and showing um that the, the the quality at least as perceived by uh the the, the public is is
0: definitely up there you know, Dave, I I don't know. We always I always do this. We're we're halfway through the review and you know what I forgot to do? We haven't played any clips. So um, you went through all the trouble of putting together the clips. Let's play a, at least a few uh, clips here. Oh, and and you never said who you were, did you? No, I did. I made sure I said it at the beginning. Oh. <laughs> Before it. And now, <laughs> I, now I, I don't mean – I only – I say myself 1st up. I, I say myself first only so I, I prevent myself from forgetting myself later. So I, I, don't, I don't do it for any other reason other than that now is that I, I have to – Introduce myself first, so... Um,
2: I-, I thought you introduced yourself. The dark, the sword, the
0: forsaken, and the temple, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, uh, well, later. <laughs> but first, this. Can I go in? What is the uh, radiation count?
4: Pretty much background level.
5: Anything more it would have shown up in the initial survey 20 years ago.
4: If it's not safe, how come you can go in? How long do you think it's been down here? Oh, well, there's next to no corrosion. I've not seen technology like this. Please don't say on Earth.
5: On Earth before. Oh,
4: maybe it's some kind of experimental craft that got left behind when they abandoned the site.
5: Well, you think the army would just lose a prototype weapon?
4: You're new to the military, aren't you, son?
5: Cass says he might be right. It might have been it since the 1980s when the balance
3: CO2 will put the fire out. It was you! You were messing about with the controls on that ship. Oh!
2: Moran. We just saw you.
5: He's a oh, ghost. He's a ghost.
0: Uh so that that was the teaser for the first episode. You know, so um was under the lake there so we that that included the mention there of uh military you don't know the military as as dave had mentioned before
2: yeah i think it was good ensemble cast um the the one that immediately stuck in my mind was the uh, the guy who played pritchard that's the the thin businessman where the doctor says Mm i know what you are you're an idiot Uh, But um, great line, of course. Uh, Stephen Robertson, he's been in some marvellous things. Um, uh, If you've ever watched uh, Luther, he plays a psychotic pair of twins in that, but he's been in awful lots of stuff. Um, Ashes to Ashes, Luther, Parade's End, um, Being Human, Bletchley Circle, uh, Utopia. Uh, Quite a lot of those, of course... um, you know, sci-fi related. Uh, plays some really creepy characters here. Of course, he plays the um, the typical person that. Um, it looks expensive. I mean, it looks powerful. You know, basically, it, greed is good. He's uh, he's playing the corporate man.
0: Yeah. So uh, again this is where the the shadows of alien and alien and alien and aliens came in with you know the, the having the military and then the, the business aspect of things and um you know you, even the warning message that the computer said this message is brought to you by whatever the company name was <laughs>
1: the corporate and military
0: but you know that's that's
1: actually been kind of a meme on Doctor Who since at least the uh, the John Pertwee era too. Mm. A, a lot of the writers I think have always yes. felt like there was too much uh, too much business in the military and vice versa. So,
2: uh, one of the nice lines I liked, uh, jumping right towards the end, where where the doctors, uh, Clara's asking the doctor what will happen now with this, and and the doctor says something like, uh, "Oh, unit will take it into space where it can't do any harm." And I'm thinking, "Unit? Because spaceships? What we're talking about?" And then, of course, I realised jumping right back to the very beginning when we see this underwater base that looks very much like the Enterprise, I must add. Um, The year is um, uh, 2119. So, you know, we're over 100 years in the future when this Mm. takes place.
0: Yeah. And then in episode two, uh, before the lake, we go back to 1980. So it was, you know, and and again, it just, it had that feel, you know, the location that they they had this... um, Town that was, uh, was dressed up. It t- takes place in Scotland, but it was dressed up as a um, as a Russian, Russian or a yeah. Soviet town that they were doing military exercises. Military exercises in, and um, I just I just thought the location shooting of that, the the look and feel of the buildings that they were in, just it just reminded me very much of the you know nineteen seventies Doctor Who. Good point
2: at first i thought oh, hello they've run out of budget for the that. part but it 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 made it made complete sense in a way um but that does draw a couple of other issues that i have with the story later on um one of the things that that threw me slightly in part 2 was um you know the this undertaker uh the alien character seems so different when we met him he's sort of a, a little timid mm-hmm. Creature, you know, you know, do you want to dominate me? Sort of thing. It rather creepy. Um, but of course, from the captain, we realized that the the ghost, well, quote unquote ghosts, their their personalities didn't reflect in any way what they were when they were alive. Yeah. Um, true. but it but it did seem rather strange, and um I, I'm still not convinced about this fisher king character played by three different actors by the way and i believe the actor physically portraying him uh someone who is what 7 7 foot 6 tall um, yes
0: yeah and like the, the tallest tallest uh, person in the uk i believe
2: yes um neil fring, fring-, fring- fringleton i think that's, that's the there. right
3: mhm yeah, and I totally agree. When they had the Fisher King inside, he looked much, much more menacing from the inside view than than he did walking outside. It just took away from the whole stature and complete look of you know how he looked. And but one thing I did find interesting, if we all think back to the trailer that we saw, the way that it looked with with the flood occurring in the trailer looks like the Fisher King is causing that when we know now that you know, that was his demise
0: Yes, yeah
2: Yes, yeah, so it looks as though he's either orchestrating it mm-hmm. or, or basically accepting of it but it, uh, commanding it Yeah, it, right. didn't, it didn't look as though in some ways he was dispatched rather cleanly and quickly in the storyline Is there
0: of, any significance to his name? I, I I mean, I know there was a I think it was a Robin Williams movie called The Fisher King, you know.
2: Jerry uh, Gilliam, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, from an Arthurian re- legend, and I, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a little bit too religious in choice, but it's actually more Arthurian legend than that. Um, it comes from Celtic mythology because we're in Wales, and um, there's an awful lot of information about it.
1: Right, but yeah, we the Fisher King of legend has never been a giant uh, skeletal monster. It's I, I I didn't yeah, I didn't understand that at all either, but uh, um
0: well, and, and another thing I didn't understand was uh the Fisher King knew when he was interacting with the doctor, he had um he had said that yeah, I I, I I'm just going to paraphrase here. Cause I, I don't know the exact quote, but so, but but he had known that the doctor was trapped in his own timeline and I'm like, well, when the doctor had mentioned it, he wasn't around. How does he know that? You know, and I don't know if that was just a little something, maybe I missed, or maybe there's just a um, a, a, a hole there in the story that somehow is is apparent that somehow the Fisher King has has this, or maybe something was cut out. Perhaps I don't know. Mm.
1: He read the script. <laughs> he read the
2: script. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I
0: think the sword the sword is integral to the uh, Fisher King.
2: Um, uh, but there's an awful... I think I suggest to our listeners uh, do a wiki, Yeah, as the doctor says, Google it. Google yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: so. uh but I, I think we come to learn as the story progresses you know where uh we lose o'donnell and there's this dialogue about um you know bring you know that the doctor you know refuses to break rules and won't bring her back and um but you know m- you know but will do anything to save clara and all that i think this is all foreshadowing you know well i have to say as we record this we've already seen the next episode after which is the girl who died so I, I, this may be all foreshadowing to what's going to come next, and in, in, um, in, in the next story.
2: Yeah, uh, a couple Just of setting things. I you up to it, since it. We're, right, since we're, we are jumping out of sequence, and so then I'll keep quiet after I've done this little bit, if I may, oh. give the other guys a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but first of all, I think in this we're getting also that sense because it, it, it's no, we don't know when. Clara's leaving but we know that at some point she will be leaving and they seem to be setting the scene a little bit for that because uh, uh, Clara's getting a little bit uh, she's getting a little bit druggy on these adventures she's getting a little bit hyped up where I had you know I didn't like her as being the impossible girl I love Clara as a character but I didn't like the impossible side I I want an ordinary companion travelling with the doctor Mm -hmm. but here she's almost getting you know uh, she's almost becoming a drug addict in, in in a reference to the fact that, you know, she's hooked on the excitement and the thrill. Um, uh, she's she saying to the doctor, uh, um, you know, we are going back there. And, and in fact, the doctor actually has to give her a pep talk saying, you know, I have a duty of care to you. And she's all for getting out the TARDIS and going. And she's, she, you know, she's happy to run down the, the corridors as bait and, and, uh, and, and seize it. And almost, she's losing that sense of self-preservation that you feel wouldn't go amiss. So uh, I think that was one of the things that uh, got me on this. Uh, other things I want to just mention, if I can, um, we mentioned some of the stories in dot two that this relates to with the uh, the uh, the base and the siege. But it also reminded me of old classic sci-fi, in particular uh, Quatermass and the Pit where, uh, in this particular case, um, uh, Professor Quatermass, and this is a, an old BBC story, the one I'm referring to, which uh, ooh, aired back in 1958, um, uh, was where they're excavating this, for this building. They come across a 10,000-year-old skull, so they hold the building back, and as they're es- uh, excavating this skull... They found below it a metallic object and that's a spaceship. The conundrum is, of course, that this spaceship must have landed there over 10,000 years ago. Uh, and then there's uh, some very frightening scenes and we get inside it and all electromagnetism affecting it also. So I had real throwbacks to that. Now, I realised that, that um, more recent views of science fiction may not have even come across that but um uh, there was an awful lot of that and uh, one thing i did want to mention was um this bootstrap paradox that the 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 doctor mm-hmm. is quoted and um have you got that little clip there that um what I was going to reference yeah. was um, there's a comedy sci-fi in the UK called... It's ended now, but you can probably find it online, called Goodnight, Sweetheart, where this guy is a time traveller and he finds a way back to the uh, the Second World War. And basically, it is a comedy. He he basically, um, although he's married in the present day, he, he strikes up a friendship with this barmaid uh, whose husband's gone to war and who's subsequently... Um, you know, uh, is out of the picture without giving any spoilers away. Um, but uh, they end up having a, a, a child and uh, in the present day, he finds his own child
0: is now destitute. So, I Sue... I to... can... oh, go ahead, I'm just go saying, I, I, I can play the clip if you like. Please do, yeah. All right. What are you doing? I'm
4: writing a song for Phoebe.
5: One Kiss, One Sigh, words and music by Benny Bingham. You're ripping it
4: off? Yeah, of course. I'm not a songwriter, am I?
5: So you're stealing someone else's song?
4: No. Look, written in 1946, two years after me. If anyone's nicking it, he is.
5: And what about Benny Bingham's royalties?
2: No. Check with the music publisher. Song never made a penny. But I'm not ripping anyone off. Right, so the idea is that... Um, uh, because this song, the the son will have royalties coming in, so, it, it, you know, it will change his life. And in the episode itself, uh, the second time he meets his son, his son's a, a well-off man going off to Australia and he changes his whole life based upon the royalties which presumably this guy invests and so on. But the point is, um, you know, somebody else wrote these songs and he ends up writing them before the original writer wrote them. So it's the bootstrap who really wrote them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, we've seen this in in, in countless sci-fi as well. I mean, even I think Red Dwarf had fun with this too. I think one of the characters turned out to be his own father or something like that, so it's... Well, they did (laughs)
2: it with the... They invented the bubble wrap, didn't they? The the tension, Mm. Um, you know, where where he changed it red and put... uh, and change the use of bubble wrap to uh you know to uh, calm people down, <laughs> trying to give it to himself um as a younger person. Take your boxing gloves off and press <laughs> with this. <laughs> well, uh, well.
0: So uh should we so play guys? another oh, clip oh. from from um uh, from Place the story. All go right. for it. Alright, so um I don't, know. I don't know which one to play. I'm just going to play one at random here. You will be a strong beacon.
5: How many oaths
0: can I make of you?
5: You know, you've got a lot in common with the Tavolians. You'll both do anything to survive. They'll surrender to anyone. You will hijack other people's souls and turn them into electromagnetic projections. That will to endure. That refusal ever cease that's extraordinary and it makes a fella think because you know what if all I have to do to survive is tweak the future a bit what's stopping me? oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the ripple effect maybe it will mean that the, the, the universe will be ruled by cats or something in the future <laughs> but the way I see it even a ghastly future is better than no future at all robbed those people of their deaths made them nothing more than a message in a bottle you violated something more important than time you bent the rules of life and death so by putting things straight here now this is where your story ends
0: and I think we heard that reference before about people's stories ending. And oh, and, and speaking of uh, being ruled by cats, I think that's a <laughs> Danger Mouse had a um, a story about that. I think Planet of the Planet of the Cats, which was a takeoff on Planet of the Apes. Yeah.
2: Uh, I- yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, one, one of the things uh, I wanted to mention as well is this: um, the fact that the TARDIS won't um, decipher those words. Uh, we had that again in the um, the two parts. Was it the um,
3: Impossible Planet and Satan Pit? Kyle, was it that one? I, I think yeah, you're right. That, that's what it, what it was. So that's right. The uh, that language is
1: older than the Time Lords. Yeah. You know?
0: So now that I'm thinking about it so now the so the doctor comes back into the future via the um status status field that 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 uh, um whatever you want to call it that hibernation booth um but now is there two tortoises now because there's one in the future, and then he still had the tortoise in the past is it well, the- you
2: do see that in the in the village you do see the 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 doctor's TARDIS on the platform, and then he reappears, uh, and you, you do see two TARDIS in yeah, the yeah, screen Yeah, yeah, no, at
0: one I, time. I, I, yeah, in that scene. But then, but now we're in the future, and there's a TARDIS <clears throat> in the base. Is there also another TARDIS underwater? Because he <clears throat> he, he left uh, the TARDIS was locked into his timeline, and there should be another TARDIS, I would think. Ooh,
1: plot oh, plot hole. No. Okay, no, well, I, or, I'm not, I'm or assuming... we're leaving that there for the mat, for Missy to find later.
2: <laughs> no, She's I, I'm just the that... kind
1: who would exploit that. It's...
2: What happens is he plants the, the bomb under the dam. Then, because we know the reveal, he climbs into the suspension chamber, mm-hmm. and one assumes that the two, I would assume that the two TARDIS then
0: coalesce, or
2: whatever the word would be,
0: uh, I don't know. <laughs> we don't. see that. We don't see that now. I don't know. I think there might be another tardis under that water somewhere.
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. You remember that uh, Stephen Moffat led us uh, uh, astray by thinking that we'd seen a continuity error about uh, continuity error about mm-hmm. uh, the eleventh Doctor's jacket. Mm-hmm. And it oh, turned yeah. out that it was not, in fact, a continuity error. So, so
0: he may be doing it to us again. Here, that we're... Yeah, we'll have to, we'll see. I, again, if we, we don't mean to be, if we are spoiling anything, it's unintentional. So, just... right,
1: yeah, exactly. But we'll, we'll, we'll take it if we. Well, you know, we haven't, we haven't talked about this dragon uh, painting on the wall in inside the drum inside the undersea base too, and and we keep seeing that motif throughout the series, including in next week's episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do we think about the snakes and the dragons and stuff?
3: The uh, what's what's going and, on? Well, all I know is don't put me in red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the there does seem that. to be a Star Trek joke at
2: work here too. Yes.
1: <laughs> but um, well, no. What do, you, what do you think about all that? It's
2: yeah. I, I must admit, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I think some things are just put there just to to to. Uh, Guess us to rise to the bait, somewhat. I mean, I was looking for a tribble in that cafeteria. I was done there.
0: <laughs> now, I'm going to have to connect those dots. I mean, you know, it could be. Um, it, it could again. It could be something that's foreshadowing of what's yet to come. Mm-hmm.
3: That's uh, you know they've made uh, reference to Minister of War, um, mm-hmm. and, and they made reference in the and one. I think it was the second part when they're. You know, in this, so yeah, it's the second part. So I'm wondering if that's foreshadowing
0: again things to come. Hmm. And we'll probably eventually. Then he asked not
2: to
1: be told about that.
0: We'll probably meet yeah. up with Shirley uh, Basie as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, one of one of the scenes that I, I, I really liked, and I just want to comment on it because I thought it was so well done, uh, we mentioned about this uh, deaf actress being in it and, and her character being deaf. There's a marvellous, marvellous scene, to my mind anyway, where she's walking along the corridor and there's uh, one of the ghosts, the captain's ghost, dragging an axe on the, yeah. mm-hmm. on the floor behind her. I thought that and we worked get very well. Sort of Sonic oh, waves well. going yeah um to me, that was staggeringly good yeah,
0: yeah. i th- I thought it was well done, well shot, well executed, I thought that was done very well,
3: and speaking of the sonic waves, she did not need any uh shades to uh feel that, so that's right
2: oh no, don't start talking about sonic I don't <laughs> like sonic glasses you've got <laughs> kale don't I kale. don't like them either. Oh, I'd like to see somebody just break him in
3: half, wouldn't you? I know. Maybe they'll do that <laughs> on one of the uh, future episodes. <clears throat> Perhaps. Yeah. We can only hope. I, I don't like it at all.
2: But mainly <laughs> for the practical reason, and Lee will be the expert here to say, how can the, how can the Doctor portray all the range of emotions when we can't see his eyes? Yep. That's
0: With his eyebrows. Especially
1: an <laughs> actor like, like Peter Cabaldi. Exactly. <laughs> The last thing you wanna hide on that man is his eyes. So
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I get a feeling yeah. the Sonic screwdriver will return in probably in a new I, shape and form and they'll have I think so. then they can start reselling them again as toys with a new design. Because this mm-hmm. is still a holdover that's from right. the eleventh Doctor, right? This design that he's—that's you know, r- true. Yeah. I,
1: w- I was a little surprised by that, frankly, that we didn't immediately get a twelfth Doctor screwdriver. But but it, but it would have been a bit—I uh, don't know—that that would have. Uh, I, I would also have been disappointed if there had been too. Was mm-hmm. like, Oh, yeah. For but he had so, to have a reason. So,
2: lo- he had to have a reason to lose it. And as we now yes. know, Davros has that.
4: Yeah.
1: And apparently always did, yeah, always did, <laughs> so you know, let your mind work with that for a while
0: oh, so um, but it's now that we're speaking of Davros and the last two stories I, I I just want to make a point during the live show when we recorded that um review. I had mentioned about the the prologue and um, and yes, there, there were two different ones. Up until that point, I didn't. see... There, there was one which is uh, takes place on Karn, which is the one I saw. Which um, I, I didn't really. It, it, the other one somehow got past me, and but I did see it because it, um, it it did eventually catch up on iTunes, where there's a um, like a, a morph to the story that takes place. Back on Earth in the year 1138, um, and the doctors looking to going around finding a spot to build a well. Anyway, which, I just want to make a point. Which to of me,
3: that. just that's right. To me, that really that one wasn't very good. Now the one on Karn was. Yes, yeah. But, I, but it, that if one, that one just like
0: seemed it. a little, you know, contrived. You know, just like and, it didn't. Yep. It seemed like maybe it was made after the fact, and we need you know come up with something where that 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 corn, that one on corn could have been like a cut scene. It, it exactly. just it seemed like That's it correct. was it was woven into the fabric of the story where this other one seemed out of place.
1: Well, and you know, I like anything that ties us back to Brain of Morbius somehow yes, too. Yes.
2: So. <laughs> yeah. I, like that. I, I thought there's a, there's an awful. I mean. Um, Again, I think one of the comments we, we had on our live show was the fact that um, some people think that some of these classic references are getting a little bit shoehorned in here. Um, now, there's two arguments for this. There's one that you totally ignore the classic. Uh, the other is that, you know, you tell the story and these classic references, whether, if you don't spot them, it doesn't detract from the story. And those who are mm-hmm. long-term watchers get that added little frisson. Uh, from spotting them. Uh, but 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 you don't need to know it to get them. Uh, for instance, what uh, just prior to this, yes, we did some research, it might not seem it, but both Lewis and I, and I'm sure these other guys, uh, just earlier tonight rewatched both episodes. And uh, one of the scenes is where the Doctor's making that dive across before the door's coming down to get to the TARDIS, and I referred mm-hmm. that to being a little bit like 42. When we see them... Talking through the intercom to each other, uh, a little bit partners in crime with the, them talking through the round window. But the oh, other that's thing, right. that, yeah. well, the, the other thing that came to me uh, was when you see Clara looking through the window and the water is coming higher and higher. So. Although she's behind the glass and the water, she's not going underwater, water. It looks as though her face is going under water. It reminded me of I think it's Battlefield with the Seventh Doctor and Ace, where she's trapped in this um, um, this water tank. The, the one where famously uh, Sylvester McCoy says, "Oh yes, in real life, I saved." Uh, Sophie Aldred, from uh, from an accident on the set because um, the glass had started to bulge and crack and uh, there's all the electric wiring and he got the the technicians to pull her out. Uh, she ended up with a few cuts and bruises. But I think that was in Battlefield where she was um, behind this. But where we see Clara there with the water coming up towards her mouth, uh, it reminded me of that scene. And I'm wondering whether... Because we all know, don't we, that the producers and directors and writers of Doctor Who are steeped, they're fans themselves. Yeah, of course, yeah. And wherever they can get with these... The point is, and you guys may want to talk about this now, you know, are, are they are they forced? Or do they just enhance your viewing? And yeah. if other people don't get them, then it's no loss.
0: I, I think it's no loss. I, I, they, they also mentioned Harold Saxon in this story as well. Um, but right. I, I think it's the just l- ones, these little ones. crumbs that they place there, and they just add texture. If you hadn't, if you don't know anything about it, it's just added texture. But then, as uh, fans may get more deeper into it and go back and watch stuff from the past, then they can when they rewatch this, the, it adds another layer of appreciation to it like oh yeah or, or if you look at the um the amplifier that that the doctor's playing guitar on it's magpie electronics you know and mm-hmm. you well, know, know so that's a little reference again but it doesn't take anything away from the story it doesn't take you out of the story if you know it or if you don't know it it's just one of those little it's just the texture of the story you know and um or, or you know or, or we see the doctor's uh holographic image on the in the in the um in the Tardis you know which is a throwback to um uh, you know parting of the ways with the emergency program mm-hmm. you know so it just right. kind of ties and, things together and you, and
3: and ten, t- David Tennant and Matt Smith also had recordings too Yeah, now, I'm not sure which sure. episode but they've yeah. also had those but, yeah, for us, for us fans of the
1: classic series, too, we, we you know, every time the cloister bell chimes, yes. we know how long that's yeah. been going mm-hmm. on and, and things like that. I is I, I, skipping ahead to the next episode, but um, uh, I keep thinking how much the relationship between the Doctor and Clara is now being written as if it was the third Doctor and Joe or much more so the fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane. It, it's, it's almost like we've dug up a, an unproduced script from the 70s and mm-hmm. we're doing it now. And, and you know, uh, fans of the, the new series who don't know the classic series, they're
2: not going to get that, but I am loving it. I am thoroughly enjoying that. that yeah, I, 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 yeah think, Dave, I think, Dave, the Doctors, they, they wrote themselves a little bit of a blank check, didn't they, to revisit these things. And the, I, I, I think, th- yes. they, they, they're Not making an apology, but... Um, no. By the way, did you know that um, Magpie... Like pie amplifiers, they go up to twelve, not eleven.
0: <laughs> Very appropriate for this doctor.
2: That's right. That's right. They have to outdo him. All thirteen.
3: I mean, yeah.
4: Well,
0: here's. I a... well, don't
2: start that when it's the twelfth or the thirteenth. Exactly. <laughs> yes, we don't
0: know. We'll, we'll get 9. into a war, 5, doctor. 7.
2: Yeah. Cool. <laughs> do you want to yeah. play a sort of final clip and then Love. we perhaps Translate do our uh, round Whenever I step
5: outside, you are the smartest person in the room, so tell me, what's weird about this? I know that it's, it's all bonkers, but, you know, when you think about it, one thing keeps snagging in your mind, what is it?
0: Markings on the inside of the
5: spaceship. The markings on the inside of the spaceship. Yes! Why? I don't think they're just words. They're not. They're magnets. Magnets. How? Well, a localized and manufactured electromagnetic field to be precise. The dark, the sword, the forsaken, the temple. When we heard the coordinates for the first time, did anyone expect them not to be that? Hi, this is Graham Harper, and you're listening to Doctor
1: Who Podshock. Hi, this is Lee Shackleford reminding you that Doctor Who Podshock is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible. Just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 150,000 titles. Let me say that again, 150 Thousand titles to choose from. Imagine a genre they've got an audiobook in it, and these files play on iPhones, Kindles, iPads, any smartphone. In fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Doctor Who, Ponchak, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. You can choose anything at all from that vast library, but we know you'll want to get one of their delicious Doctor Who titles. They're performed for you by actors you know and love, wonderful voices, uh, Tom Baker, Paul McGann, David Tennant, on and on it goes. Try it out for 30 days, and if at the end of that month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So let me put it this way, free Doctor Who book, right? So here's how to get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash podjock. That's Audible Trial, all one word: A U D I B L E, T R I A L. dot com slash PodShock. Pick your free book; you're gonna love it.
5: You did change the future. You stopped the Fisher King from returning. The Fisher King had been dead for 150 years before we even got here. But once I went back, I became part of events. But here's the thing, the messages my ghost gave, they weren't for you, they were for me. That list, everyone after you was random, but you being the next name, that's what made me confront the Fisher King. And saying the chamber will open. That was me telling me to get inside and when to set it for. Oh. <laughs> Except that's not why I said them. How do you mean? I programmed my ghosts to say them because that's what my ghost had said. And the only reason that I created my ghost hologram in the first place was because I saw it here. I was reverse engineering the narrative.
3: Okay, that's still pretty smart.
5: You do not understand. When did I first have those ideas, Clara?
0: Been...
5: Wow. Exactly. Who composed Beethoven's fifth?
0: And silence as well. Are we
2: each going to do a bit of a wrap-up or what?
0: Well, I, I'll give my uh, TARDIS, um, Rating on on the whole story, um, as I said, the the there first one watching it the first time, the first episode, I, I'm going to give it as a whole. But just uh, if, if that was uh, set aside there, because um, I, I I was a little disappointed with part one, but then after seeing it part two, it brought it all together and um, and and raised up the rating. So um, so overall, I, I probably would give it the whole story maybe three and a half Tardis groans. Um, I, you know, I, as I said, the if I was to single out the first one, it would only be two, because, um, like I, I said, we just it 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 just seemed to come more more it came. All the pieces seem to come together, or maybe the the sum of the parts is greater than or the the whole is greater than the the parts or whatever that saying is so <laughs> um so yeah i am gonna I'll give it three out three and a half Tardis groans as a whole I, I thought um you know the the um it was enjoyable I, I did like the um the feel of it as far as the you know the, the the whole the whole story as a whole and I know it sounds like I'm repeating myself and I apologize but um but again I, I I thought it worked very well together and um and and I just like the throwbacks to the the elements of that I that I thought were reminiscence of Doctor Who's past um there were little tasty morsels there you know it just um it just reminded me of some of the classic feel of episodes um with part two watching watching that as a whole. And I'll hand it off to someone mm, else me- now.
3: I th- All right, let me go next because I want to reverse the my, polarity uh, of the neutron polarity. Yeah, on, yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, exactly. But, but I really do want to reverse because as I look at it, I enjoyed part one much better than I enjoyed part two. Really? I felt part two, yeah, I felt part two to me seemed a little bit rushed and almost a little predictable. I liked the mood of the first one, and maybe it was because. In the first one, you knew you had part two coming. You knew that they were setting up for something. You knew there was going to be a cliffhanger. But on the flip side, you knew that you didn't know quite yet. And I think that's what I liked about it. The part two, um, I, I didn't like the the caretaker, the undertaker character, even though it was only a small part. I um, I, I just didn't... I I didn't like the predictability of knowing that he was going to be in the casket thing, knowing that everything was, you know, going to be fine in the end so soon as I figured it out. And uh, for me, I'll still give it the 3.5 overall, but enjoyment-wise, I enjoyed the first episode much more than I did the second.
0: No, I, well, I, I can appreciate it. I, I just felt the first one just seemed all, like, we've seen it all before. And it just, I mean, outside of, you know, having the, the hearing-impaired character, just everything else just, like, it, to me, it just seemed like we've seen this all before. And uh, and then when part two came out, that's when things started getting mixed up a bit. And, um, you know, and, and having sort of, like, the Doctor in one time and Clara in another, I found to be a little bit more interesting than just being a base under siege type of thing.
3: And see, that's the beauty of this show and of this uh, show here of not only Doctor Who, but of what we're doing right now. We wind up with the same exact writing, yeah, but we but... come at it completely different. Yeah. So that's, that, that's, that's what's great about this.
1: I, I, I'm going to have to give it, uh, I'm going to call it three and a half too. And, you know, as much as I, uh, Lewis and I, are, I think we're really enjoying the... Uh, the good old base under siege thing, <laughs> um, but um, you know, I got a busted for points just for the um, just for the Fisher King. I I don't. I'm not even sure that was essential to the story, and I just really hate that costume. <laughs>
0: and, yeah, uh, it's the co- it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it just seemed uh, it just seemed a little contrived and unnecessary. Like. Well I you know I uh, I understand the people that are making Doctor Who now were young when they were watching it you know they grew up watching Doctor Who and they found it very scary and it seems like they go out of their way to always make things scary. Like the Fisher King had to look. scary. Why couldn't the Fisher King be a, yeah. a, a, a nice looking, you know, and still be evil? It's true. Yeah, it, it's, he, he it's, could it's, have been the White Guardian, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it to or the me. Or the White Guardian. The White Guardian. Yeah. I see. I discovered Doctor Who when I was a little older. You know, I, I was I was in my. Um, uh, late teens, you know, or or or, or actually, I was I, I had a paper out, so I was still I was in my teens or whatever, early teens, and then I mm-hmm. became a real fan of it in in my later teens. So um, so I, I never found it to be like scary, scary. So uh, to me, I think Doctor Who's can be scary, but it doesn't have to be scary. And I think it, when it is scary, it should just come out of the story and it shouldn't be, shouldn't go out of its way to be scary. It should just, the, you know, it, the, I want good storytelling and good characters. And then if something's scary, so be it. But I don't think it needs to be, you know, it has to be, you know, the, the whole scare factor is to me is unnecessary. It's,
1: it's got ghosts in it already, for heaven's sake, yeah. and one of them is going to turn out to be the doctor. That's scary. Just, the, just the idea that his death is out there waiting for him so soon because he looks
0: like that's really scary. S- the Fisher King looks like Skeletor or whatever. I don't know. He just uh, you know,
1: right? I, I I appeal to Dave if I'm using this expression right, but I I thought he was a bit naff. <laughs> <Is> that right? <laughs> Am I? <laughs> that's a, um, but but still, got to say this about this episode, and, and I, I agree with, with Darth Skeptical about, you know, how convenient it is that uh, we have a character there who can read lips when we need somebody to do that. But kudos for writing Cass as a deaf character and to having mm-hmm. Sophie Stone, an actual deaf actress, playing that character. That's, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's just fantastic. And it's, and it's a reason to love the episode just for that. But yeah, still got to go three and a half, I'm going to say.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, my, my attitude has changed to the two part quite a bit with uh, various re-watchings. When I first watched part one, I, I was, like Lewis, so I was a little bit <clears throat> bored with it. I thought, this is not as good as Midnight. Um, and it's, it's, it. it I'm thinking, it's, it's, this is a cheap base on the Siege 1 bottle episode and so on. But then... Actually, when I was watching, I thought actually they've gone to a heck of a thing with this. There's a heck of a lot of CGI. There's some great events. All right, they're reusing some of the what what I think were Tardis uh, extra tunnels at one point, and uh, um, the the other the other one was the um, the into the Tardis one, the the one where the. The TARDIS is uh, collected by scrap collectors and they go inside mm-hmm. it and um, yeah. uh, and it looks very much like those corridors where they're crossing over and so on. Um, but I thought the ensemble cast was good. I thought the um, the the sets were long, but then, then I thought, this is dragging out. And, of course, I'd forgotten at that point it was the first part of a two-parter. Um, but I did think that that is probably the best cliffhanger we've had forever. Now, some smart yeah. people in the room may have spotted that that was what was going to happen, but I thought the Doctor being revealed as being underwater, uh, turned into a ghost... Uh, and I like the way that he, we saw him full length. Some people thought he may have been better close up, but I I liked the way he was just ethereal in the water there, turning mm-hmm. towards us. I thought that was a fantastic cliffhanger, to the point whereby which um, I was almost sorry that he showed the next time uh, trailer after it. I mean, this really should have faded to black at that point and, and not done anything whatsoever.
0: Not, not, not have the a, half, not have a coming next, well, you know, a TV. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: The the yeah. second half, when I first saw, it, I thought, well, they've blown the budget, haven't they? I mean, we're now, you know, tents in a village. You know, uh, they've run out of money. <laughs> uh, but of course, like you said, it uh, it was supposed to be this um, Russian, uh, supposedly Russian site where where the army could train, and we've got the um, the dam. Um, which again was another model that had to be built. Uh, looked a little bit dam to me from the sort of the old black and white film, but it was adequate in the way that it, it got blown up. But the disappointment, and Kyle has referenced it already, that in that underground chamber, with his booming voice, uh, this seems somebody to be reckoned with. Uh, once he walked out, even with his great stature, into the into the daylight. Um, it, it, it just looked like uh, some lumbering giant, and um, there was no real reason for him to have that figure because the ghost was the scare factor. I think it would have worked better. I think I like Lee's idea; it would have been worked better if he'd looked like some beneficent, uh, you know, person. Um, you know Mr. Mr. Rock from best. Fantasy
0: Island.
2: Yeah, but somebody <laughs> who you would almost underestimate yeah. as you know having. Reasonable intentions uh, uh, and so on, uh, but the way he was dispatched. Again, we had been. You could argue that these these trailers and these preludes uh, spoil it because you know uh, my classic one is all the way back to uh, Human Nature family of Blood, where the doctor is left with this you know save your girlfriend who was the nurse the sister our saviour companion which was martha you know and uh, and he had a choice to save one which was blown completely out of the water because in the blooming next week they show both of them alive i'm thinking the fools you know um but on the other hand the misdirection here was the fact that it looked as though this alien was commanding the water to perhaps destroy the doctor and the TARDIS. Not that he himself was being engulfed. So I suppose it can be used in two senses. But I did think that the second one was somewhat of a disappointment. I am feeling that um, this budget has been... Some, no, get me get the way around. I do think that the way the stories are going has been in some way determined by a better use of the budget. And that's why we're having these two parters... <laughs> Maybe some stories are going to be linked where they're not reusing the costumes, but in this case, certainly of course, um, something like two thirds of the story took place Inside the base. Mm-hmm. But um, there was a lot to be taken. I like the, um, the the character who uh, was very cool. Oh, yes, uh, I've heard of the unit. I know all your things. The doctor turns away and then she squeezes about it oh, yeah. to mm-hmm. her friend. Really good, but she was trying to keep cool. So there were some very little nice touches. But I did uh, like, like Kyle. I didn't particularly like the Undertaker character. I like Lee. I didn't particularly like the. Um, the Fisher King so my things reversed I was going to give it something like a two and a three but I'm now more towards a four for part one and a three for part two so I think my overall rating is a three and a half nudging towards a four because that cliffhanger to me was one of the best cliffhangers we've had for a long 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 time uh, a very striking image. And with that, I hand
0: back to Lewis. All right. Well, very good. I think so. Um, three, three three and a halfs and one four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Good,
2: but no cigar.
0: Yes. Yeah. Got to agree about that
1: cliffhanger, though, man. Agreed. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I thought it was a good, I mean, even though I saw it coming, you know, and I, you know, I, I didn't see, it's not like I saw it coming from the very beginning, but as soon as it was set up that the doctor and Clara were separating and uh, he was going back in time, I, I, it just came, you know, it just popped in my head, so, but I, I, I don't fault the episode for it, but I, I think it was still a a good cliffhanger episode. (laughs) All right, well we'll um you know, in our next episode we'll be reviewing probably again two stories, two episodes, one story I should say. Well, it might be two. We'll see how it comes how it unfolds. Uh two linked stories, I for the lack of a better word, the girl who died which, and uh, which um has the already lived. Yeah, and then the the woman who had the woman who lived. So, we'll be reviewing that next time. Uh, again, we welcome your feedback. If you have feedback about, about this story or any story or anything relating to Doctor Who or Doctor Who Pachak or or anything else we discuss on the show, which sometimes is a lot, uh, feel free to send in your feedback. The number to call is 206-337-4699. Again, that's 206-337-4699, which you can call 24 hours a day or 26 hours a day, depending how many hours your day has. And uh, it works just like voicemail, and you can leave a message there and, um, you know, and for um, potentially be sh- um, played on our show. Uh, you could also record your feedback or send an email to, um, if you could record it because it is a voice, an audio show, it would be appreciative. You could send it to feedback at podshock.net, or you could just simply write an email to feedback at potchak.net. Again, that's net.com. And we always enjoy hearing your feedback. So, we do have one um, from Blue Box Bill, who's a regular listener who um, sends us regular feedback. And this is a feedback um, that um, feedback for episode 328 a couple episodes ago. So, uh, this is what Blue Box Bill had to say.
4: Hello, Pod Shark. Today's feedback is in response to episode 328, which was devoted primarily to diversity, in Doctor Who. Diversity, the state of being diverse, is to show, demonstrate, or embody a great deal of variety. I can't argue with comments made about diversity in episode 328. Wait. I tell a lie, I could argue, but won't. Instead let me time shift this digital discourse to our very first adventure with Doctor Number 4. To the episode entitled, Robot, where the newly regenerated Time Lord and Professor J.P. Kettlewell, creator of what he calls Living Metal, as well as the robot that's featured in the story, are engaged in a rather animated exchange which I hope helps to frame my take on diversity. There you are. Yes, I've explained it to them over and over and over again till I'm blue in the face. People (laughs) never can see what's under their noses above their head. In case you didn't understand what was said, the doctor begins by saying, There you are. Professor Kettlewell says, Yes, you know I've explained it to them over and over and over again till I'm blue in the face. The doctor replies by saying, People never can see what's under their noses and above their head. Diversity in Doctor Who is both under our noses and above our head. It's right under our noses when we view the program. However, off-screen, off-camera, in studios, offices, and anywhere else the creative process manifests itself in the production of the world's longest-running science fiction television program. There too we find diversity, if I'm not mistaken. All comments about the topic in episode 328 were limited to the on-screen presence of Doctor Who, however in my opinion its diversity runs much deeper and wider than what we see on screen. A few standout examples include Verity Lambert, Waris Hussein, Anthony Coburn, and Elia Derbyshire all members of the original production team which included a rich mix of talent that wasn't exclusively British. Despite how British the program has always been, women were rarely television producers in Britain at the beginning of Verity Lambert's career. When she was appointed to Doctor Who in 1963, she was BBC television's youngest and sole female drama producer. Director of An Unearthly Child, Waris Hussein, was born in India. Anthony Coben, writer of An Unearthly Child, was born in Australia. Delia Derbyshire was in her mid-twenties when she recorded one of the most famous and instantly recognisable TV themes ever. On first hearing it, Australian composer, Ron Grainer was tickled pink. Did I really write this he asked. Most of it, was Delia's reply. Finally, I challenge you to do a Google search, for black actors in Doctor Who. Be prepared for very few results, most of which are from 2005 on. My point is that I see the show's on-screen diversity as commensurate with its contemporaries. In other words, in terms of casting, it was in step with the times, however it was well ahead of the diversity curve with character development and the types of roles actors portrayed, but where it really shined, was off-screen. That's all for now. Until next time, keep producing the best Doctor Who podcast out there. Happy travels from Blue Box Bill. Ooh, that
3: was
0: brilliant. Yes, as always, Bill Bill makes a great point there. Very, very nice.
2: Yeah, Uh, good points. Um, On the Doctor Who News.net site, um, on the Friday, the 9th of October, they were mentioning the uh, the 50-year anniversary when Verity Lambert left Doctor Who. Uh, um, so, uh, and it mentions there about the BBC youngest soul female drama production. And of course, An Adventure in Space and Time that was uh, such a fabulous uh, uh, retelling, although fictionalised, and uh, some people were aggregated together to, to tell the story, but that was great. Her, her final story was Mission to the Unknown uh, that she took part in, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think back about black actors. Of course, more famously recently, we've had the Danny Pink character. Then uh, I'm thinking back to a very strong characters, uh, the chap uh, who was the leading of Hooverville in New York... Um, uh, so there have been noticeable, noticeable ones, and there were a few yeah, on Freeman, them. certainly. Yeah, indeed. Waters of Mars, there was uh, certainly uh, a strong female black actress in that. Um, but it may well be that they've been certainly underrepresented. And Ginger <laughs> people especially.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's uh, very... Still abundant. not Ginger. Ginger. And his feedback is very apropos for this story that we're reviewing because of Sophie Stone, who's the deaf um, actress who's um, who's in this featured in this story, and very prominently. So kudos to Blue Box Bill. Thank you for that input and um, and insight as well. So much appreciative. Yeah,
4: terrific. Yeah,
0: brilliant. And once again, we want to hear from you. Uh, you could do the same uh, feedback at podshock.net or.
2: Super <laughs> so bringing feedback.
1: We
3: that, was quick. yeah, that, that was quick. That was, that was quick. We're here fast answering your calls early. right now.
1: <laughs> Podshock, you're on the air.
3: Are you my
2: mommy?
0: That's right. So. Uh...
2: It's, it's Louis' sister wanting a sonic screwdriver
0: mending. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's right. So, uh, it's uh, feedback is coming in ch- as we record this. <laughs> All right. So, two zero six three three seven four six nine nine is the phone number, or feedback at potchak or as always, go to californiaamnesty and um, we want uh, you can. Uh, there's ways there. Hit the feedback tab on the top, and there was ways there to uh, send us feedback. So until next time, I want to um, thank everyone. Thank you for listening, and but also thank our illustrious hosts here once again, Dave Lee and Kyle. Uh, you can uh, listen. You can catch Dave and oh, and Ian was unable to join us tonight, but he did send his regards. He was originally going to be on the recording. Um, Ian Bissett, that is. Uh, you can catch uh, Hi, Ian. Ian and Dave regularly on the Cultum Collective, and I believe. Um, Kyle and um, Lee have been on recent shows, if I'm not mistaken.
2: It's true. Oh, yeah. We're growing up in the world. We're getting
3: talent on the show now. <laughs> we we've we we even regenerated. That's true, yeah.
0: So uh, uh, listen to the Colton Collective for more from them. And Lee, I don't know if you have anything that you would like to mention other than that.
2: Nah.
0: All right. It's been on...
2: Cultum Collective. That's, well, what did you
1: want That's to say? exactly. <laughs> exactly. Once, once you exactly. reach the summit, once you're and, at uh,
3: the pinnacle. And Kyle,
0: anything you would like to uh, um,
3: mention? Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to echo what Lee said. Right. I mean, Cultum Collective. Where else can we go?
0: All right. Well, catch them on Cultum collective, collective, which they have a live show every Sunday on TalkShoe, and you can. Um, so if you don't, if you can't catch it live, you can catch it on your favorite podcast client, and. Um, so until then, um, cheers, everyone. Cheers. 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 You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan run Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the PodChalk Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrop.com for more information on this and other podcasts.
5: This is Clara and I'm the doctor.
4: You're from UNIT. Well, if that's what it says. I'm Pritchard. This is Bennett.
3: O'Donnell. You're really a doctor. I'm a huge
5: fan. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, you know, nice work.